Welcome to another episode of the Jordan High 2004 podcast. This is Gonzo. And this is Steve. Steve, I'm really happy to uh, be recording with you again. Me too. Highlight of the week, always. So last time, or a few times ago, you talked about your beard like kit that you got. And you, you were even saying, it's like, you know how our phones listen to us, you know, just like as if that's a fact, which it probably is. And but ever since then, man, I get nothing but those beard kit ads. <laughs> it's like I've never even Googled or anything. Like I've I've never searched. Like I promise, I never looked up any like how to make my beard thick. But Bonnie's like, wait, let me see your search history. What are you looking up? <laughs> yeah, pull up all your cookies right now. <laughs> like uh, it's like I promise. No, yeah, but now all I get is like beard box kits. Maybe the maybe the internet knows we're friends, but. Like, your friend bought this, by the way. Maybe <laughs> you should buy it. Yeah, so I'm, what's, I don't know. What's the update? How's your uh, beard coming? So I've grown out a beard for a couple of weeks here. Uh, I just barely got the thing in the mail like yesterday, so I haven't used it yet. But I wanted to grow it out to show this is what it looks like. And uh, we'll see. i got to trim it a little bit. But I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I haven't, I'm going to start officially like tomorrow. Okay. I'll kind of trim it. We'll do that little roller thing and we'll... we'll if people care, we'll, we'll give you some updates. Yeah, I want to see some <laughs> uh, beard picture updates. Yeah, they'll come. So I shaved my beard. But when I shaved it, I had a fun and I had like a, left a mustache for a second. <laughs> I'll post a picture of that if you want to see it. <laughs> I love a good mustache. But... Yeah. So tell me, Steve, should I really be flossing? Is that is that a <laughs> is that fake news? Flossing? Uh, flossing is real news. Helps get stuff out of your teeth. Like 40% of the surface of your teeth are between your teeth. Your toothbrush doesn't touch them. Okay, so this is like for real talk. Like, if I don't floss, will my gums recede or will my get, gums get all fat and infected? It depends on why. So like if you don't floss, the reason it happens is like there's bacteria there. And so if you floss every day and keep it clean, it won't bleed at all. The reason it's bleeding is because your body's trying to fight an infection because there's bacteria there. So if you brush and floss every day, no bleeding. If it's bleeding, it's either because you're flossing super hard, which most people aren't. Uh, it's usually just because of bacteria. What causes them to... Like, I guess... It, I just have lots of questions about dental stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what causes your gums to recede? Like, like is uh, there something you can do to prevent that? There's... Uh, if you brush too hard... So sometimes you can just, if you're using like a manual toothbrush, if you're brushing too hard, and a lot of people do, because it's like, it's almost counterintuitive. Plaque is very soft. It's sticky, yeah. but it's soft. It should come off. You should be able to just push very lightly, and it'll come right off. But usually it's like, I'm going to buy like a medium or a hard toothbrush and brush as hard as I can. And if you do that for too long, your gums will recede. Another thing I see a lot is people will like clench their teeth, like while they're sleeping or during the day, if they're kind of stressed, they'll just kind of bite yeah. down. And having that prolonged pressure on your teeth can cause recession as well, which would then make your teeth like way sensitive for like cold water or ice cream or something. And I, I have my appointment probably next month, I think. So it's like my six month checkup. We can talk more about this stuff. But yeah, I have like some. All right. So real talk. I had an extraction. I have a gap in my teeth. It's not like in my front teeth, but it's like in my one of my molars that I had taken out. But I think the gum is receding. And it's exposing the root of like the molars right next to it. So I feel like, oh, shoot, I get like a little bit of air up there, like some cold air mm -hmm. or something cold. And that hurts like the Hades. So can you fix that? 
Uh, yes. Okay. I was actually thinking what could be cool is maybe we could document your journey of like replacing that tooth if you wanted. Yeah. Show I mean, people what it's like. We're not getting younger. No, no. And yeah, it's like, and I got to stop biting stuff. I'm like. <laughs> your teeth aren't tools? Well, they, not only tools. It's just like a thing that I bite stuff. And I, I see like Oliver, like my kid doing it too. Like the kids <laughs> will like bite on, chew on pencils and pens and stuff like that. I chipped my front tooth a little bit. Like, this is shame, but I was chewing on a soda can. Like, I uh, popped the top off, and I was, like, chewing on the aluminum thing, and then I'm, like, felt a little bit of my tooth come off. I'm, like, ah, swear word. I, I can't believe, like, <laughs> I can't believe it's such a stupid thing. So, I don't know. I, so, I guess we'll document if, uh, my journey to try to try to stop chewing on non-food. <laughs> 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 yeah okay we can do that <laughs> and you know again our sponsor Western Dental so hey trust me like Steve's seen my teeth and I've got like I've got I got problems right he's not gonna judge you he's not gonna think your your teeth look nasty I might but Steve never would cause he's a professional so if you uh, if you're looking for a dentist go see go see Steve at Western always taking new patients but <laughs> Or go see your dentist. Just make sure you take care of your teeth. I, I wanted to, like you and I were talking, and I wanted to just tell everybody in our class, like, ask your dentist about your silver fillings. Because as I get, like, as I see older patients, there's a lot of people that haven't had decay in years, but like they've had this silver filling in their teeth since they were like 12 or 13, and they've had it for 30, 40 years. And so what I see is a ton of people with their teeth breaking. Like there's like cracks on their teeth. Or uh, like they'll end up needing root canals or crowns because they just like, oh, well, I've had that feeling there. Things are fine. So like that's a tip to anybody. It's like just ask your dentist. I don't care if it's me, but like ask your dentist, hey, should I replace this? Is it looking okay? And if you can just replace those and you can save yourself like a, you know, a root canal or something later on. So there's the tip of the day. Hot tip. Hot tip from Steve. All right. <laughs> so we've got Robin today. I was, she was also one of the first people that I've, uh, I reached out to her. I'm like, hey, we're doing this podcast. Like, I don't have beef with her or anything, which is most of the people I've reached out. I'm like, I want to hash out some of this stuff. But Robin, I just thought she's had an interesting life. I think she'll have a lot of fun things to say. So I wanted to have her on. And she was kind of ghosting me for a while. And this is the shout out to um, to Gus. Because when I, I talk to Gus a lot about the podcast, I'm like, yeah, I reached out to this person. And like, yeah, they didn't answer. And... Because he's like, don't worry about it. I got it. So he like, <laughs> gets on his phone. He's like, I've like, kept in touch with all these people. And he's like sending messages. To, and I know he and Robin keep in touch pretty well. So he's like just pushing Robin. Like, you should do the podcast. And, and then Robin messaged me back. She's like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> so good job, Gus. Good job, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So here's a conversation with uh, Robin Sodiano. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Robin, I'm really happy to talk to you. I'm happy to see you. Me I, too. It's definitely been a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been too long. <laughs> Catch us up a little bit. I know you live in Vegas. Um, Ew. What else has been going on the last 20 years? Oh, geez, Louise. <laughs> um, to put it in a nutshell, a lot. <laughs> I am living in Vegas, which... Kind of, I'm a little flustered right now because I'm a hard Golden Knights fan for hockey. And uh, 
we're in the playoffs right now and we totally just lost miserably tonight. So I'm, I'm a little upset. <laughs> For people that don't know, Robin is originally from Canada, so she likes a sport uh, called hockey that no one else looks at or watches. <laughs> There's ice and a puck. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, though? People will argue that the NHL has the best playoffs out of any of the major sports. Well, see, I don't watch any other major sports, so I'd probably just have to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry um, they got their butts kicked. Sounds like it's pretty bad. Me too. It's okay. They, they got another chance coming up here soon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but besides hockey in my life, besides that, let's see, <laughs> graduated high school and Congrats. a year after that, I got married super young, 19, <laughs> had a couple kids that marriage didn't last. After that, I went and joined the army, did that for a good eight years, met my current husband in the military, and now he is a police officer in Las Vegas and we're hanging out here. So in a nutshell, a <laughs> very compact nutshell, that's what the past 20 years have been like for me. <laughs> Lots of growth and development in those years. <laughs> yeah, with like three other kids. Three other, I got five total, two of my previous and three with my current husband. So we got my oldest is 14 and my youngest is two. That's quite the range. Is quite the range. Four boys and one girl, right in the middle. She's she's definitely the princess of the, the household. I'll tell you that much. She'll always have people looking out for her. Yes. How fun! I love that. Well, can you uh, can you just fill us in and let us know um, how how did you see yourself in high school? Just describe Robin to us. I was the Canadian. Let's go back to that. I think ninety percent of my friends just referred to me as Canada. So, nope, my name is Robin. <laughs> um, you know, I think coming, because I, I moved to Utah um, from Canada when I, for my sophomore year, so right when we were going to Jordan. And so that was definitely a big change for me. I grew up, you know, on a farm in Canada in the middle of nowhere. I went, my school I went to was from kindergarten all the way to ninth grade. So I grew up with all the same people. So moving to a whole nother country, moving into the city, and then coming to a high school with what, how many thousands of, we had thousands of students, you know? And um, so it was kind of intimidating. Uh, I remember just walking into the halls, you know, the very, I came in, you know, a week before school started and just being like, oh, this place is ginormous and very overwhelmed. But they did have French class and I was excited for that, you know, because Canada's, you know, we got the bilingual thing going on there. So I did sign up for French <laughs> class. <laughs> so yeah, it was a bit intimidating coming to a, to a bigger school and just having all these like extracurricular activities to do. You know, I joined cross country and track. That was the thing I really went after. I remember even just having like school lunch. That was so foreign to me because I'm Canada. Everyone just brought their little paper sacks and we had lunch in the classroom, but now you guys like went to a, you know, a big chow hall and it was so <laughs> definitely a, a big year for me, but I just really grew to love Jordan and, you know, get to meet so many people. I mean, there was so many I still didn't even get to meet because it was just, it was so huge. And I think I was, I saw myself as more shy until you got to know me. Then I feel like once you got to know me, you couldn't shut me up. I was kind of <laughs> crazy and silly. And I think I had a good sense of humor, but I think sometimes maybe it, I don't know, it maybe came off of scroll. So I, I feel bad. I'm sorry if I offended anyone. I didn't mean to. <laughs> But I don't, I don't know. I think I think high school definitely. I, I felt strong, you know, from moving countries in the middle of it. And I mean, I think mentally and and physically, you know, I, I got big into track and cross country, and I was always 
you know, the tomboy, you would never catch me dead in a dress unless it was Sunday or like prom. <laughs> um, other than that, it was, you know, hoodie and the gym shorts. I think I was also very naive, I think. I, mean, I, I didn't know it in the moment. I was naive that I was naive. <laughs> um, but now looking back on it, I was just, you know, again, coming from Canada and a, a little farm and coming to Utah to like the Mormon bubble. And there was just so much more going on in the world that I just wasn't aware of. So definitely over the past, you know, a couple of decades, my eyes have been opened up to really what's going on in this world and, and how other people's lives are. <laughs> What was the, like, so you went from a small, so farm town. So I imagine you're saying from, from kindergarten to ninth grade, there was not a lot of people, right? No, small there was about, we had two class, there was class A and class B for every grade. So there was maybe 50 students per grade. And you pretty much knew from kindergarten to ninth grade. You, so you knew everybody, you knew everyone's siblings, parents, dogs, you just, mm-hmm. everybody. everybody. <laughs> so what would, what would you say thinking back? was the the biggest challenge then coming like obviously a move to a different country to a different city leaving everybody you knew but what was the biggest challenge that you felt like you faced in that big change I guess making friends not I mean not that I I think that's the thing I was most worried about I just didn't want to come here and and not know anybody and you know and just but thank goodness you know just from the get-go I was lined up with so many good people we um my dad moved down before we did. And so he went, you know, we're LDS and he would go to church and he met with the youth there. I was like, Hey, I got some kids coming. So from the get go, as soon as I went to church, I got to meet friends. They were also in our high school. And so that really helped kind of start connections here and there, whether I continued on with those friends or not, it helped bring other people into my lives that, and, and I've created, you know, lifelong friendships with, but, and, you know, honestly, Canada to America, it's not that big of a difference culture wise. So I didn't have to worry about that or learning a new language, even though some people did make fun of me for saying bag and flag and dragon and, you know, saying all those goofy words. But, uh, um, for the most part, you know, you got, all of Jordan was very welcoming. <laughs> and, and, uh, I don't know. It, it was a pretty easy transition for me. Thank goodness. Cause I, you know, I know some people do have a really rough time with that even just moving schools, but going from the whole country, I really honestly didn't struggle too badly. <laughs> Well, good. I'm glad you had a positive experience with that. Two things. <laughs> All right. So who, how have you changed? Who are you now? Actually, I'm not even Canadian anymore. <laughs> when I, when I joined the army, I actually, um, in order to deploy, I deployed to, to uh, Qatar in the Persian Gulf for 10 months. And in order to deploy, I had to renounce my Canadian citizenship. So now I am full on American. <laughs> Do you think they, but, they'd take you back? Oh, if you're like really... Oh, like, they would totally take me back. Yeah. I mean, have you seen this face? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so now I'm, I'm full, full-blooded American. Like I said, I joined the army uh, right after college. You know, I, I, I got married young. I had kids young. Like I said, that marriage didn't work out. And so after... I got divorced during my last semester of college. And so I, you know, I, I just gone through a divorce call. I just had my degree and I, I had, you know, thought of joining the army previously. And, um, when I kind of had that gap before, like starting a career or graduating college, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to do it now is the time, you know? And so I was going to the enlistment office, signed off. And, and, you know, a couple months after that, I, I, off I went. 
What do you think and, made you want to join the army? Um, my ex-husband was actually in the National Guard, so I think that initially piqued my interest. I have no one in my family was in the army, like nothing. It's nowhere in my roots. And so that really was what got me interested in it. I just never found the opportunity to go while married to him. And so once that ended, I was like, hey, you know, I, I you know, I had lots of regrets, obviously, in my first marriage. And so I kind of wanted to start living my life with no regrets. And with the army, it was kind of that thing where it's like, okay, am I going to hate it? Am I going to like it? I don't know, but I'd rather do it and not like it than not do it and always wonder. Luckily for me, it turned out to be something you know, that I really enjoyed, you know, I ended up joining when I was 23, uh, which is, uh, you're almost considered like a grandma at that point joining the army because so many of them are like, right high, they're all like 18, 19 year olds, so you're kind of the older one there, but joined at 23 and I, I, it was in the reserve, I, I um, was in it for eight years, um, so that means I just did, it's kind of like the National Guard where you just train on the weekends and then in like the summertime for two weeks and stuff. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Ended up deploying. It kind of just really ended up being something that really, I don't know, it was like was my thing. You know, I have to toot my own horn, <laughs> but it's something I really excelled at. Like I, I ranked up quickly. I was put in leadership positions, you know, was graduating on top of all my classes and courses. I also excelled physically, like on our physical exams and stuff that we had to do. And it was just something where I was really comfortable at because um, kind of over the years, something that I've developed is my anxiety. And it's, and it was funny because in the army, I would never feel that way. I was always really comfortable in, in um, military situations. So ha- have I the chance down the road to, to reenlist? I might do so just, you know, there's a time in the season for everything. And right now with young kids and my husband, he's in the military as well. It's just kind of, a lot so but down the road I think I definitely would revisit um the opportunity to to join again I definitely no regrets no regrets in doing that (laughs) why do you think you felt so comfortable in the in the army and in those situations you're saying like now you do get anxious about things you do feel anxiety right but you felt like like a fish in water when you were in. I think a lot of my anxiety comes is more like social anxiety so I think in the military because we're all at least look like equals because we're all like in the same uniform, you know, um, even though we have different ranks, I think it's honestly just the way that we look that made me feel like, Oh, we're all kind of, we're kind of one here. And I just, I don't know, kind of just hope put me at ease, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I was also kind of in my element, you know, how I said I was a tomboy, you know, military, it's more, you know, rough and tough. And, and then I don't know, I kind of just excel in those kind of situations, I guess. <laughs> So you were in for eight years. Eight years. <laughs> what uh, what caused you to to stop at eight years? All my kids. <laughs> I have all my kids. I did when I first deployed. I had two kids already with my previous husband, and having to leave them for ten months was devastating. It was really really hard to to leave them. They stayed with their father, and it was probably one of the hardest things I'd ever done. I remember there was this one day after my shift was done I went to their little gym that they had and I was just running on the treadmill and I about like stopped in my steps to go to my commander like send me home like I can't do this <laughs> this is the hardest thing I've ever done you know and I'd only been overseas a month at that point I was just already to go home but you know luckily she she talked me out of it and I, and I made it through but I it, for me to do that again I think would about do me in <laughs> again I might revisit it you know, once my kids are in school my youngest isn't even in preschool yet so Maybe in a few years, because it, it is definitely something I enjoy, but 
needs need to be on hold for a minute. And my husband's still in it, so I kind of vicariously live through him. <laughs> he actually just got back from three weeks of training two days ago. So whenever he's gone, I it's just fun because he can talk all the lingo and tell me what he's doing, and I understand it all. So that kind of makes it fun because when I was married to my previous husband, he'd talk army stuff and be like, "What? I have no idea what you're saying." But this way, it really helps me connect with him and the jobs that are that he's doing. So it makes it fun on that level. You were saying like the military has change you the big change was like i'm like an army person i'm like being in the army has taught me i think strength if physically and mentally you know even because day one in basic training it's all it's a mind game the whole point is to break you down to your lowest level and then to build you up from there and so it's really strength all around um i've learned so many just lessons from the get-go i was thrown into a leadership position, even at basic training where I had to lead my whole platoon. And, you know, as nerve wracking as it was, it taught me a lot. And it, you're just, you're put out of your comfort zone, I guess, a lot. You, you travel all over the world. Uh, you're meeting a bunch of people. There's always, you know, presentations you have to do. You have to, you have to learn to fire a weapon. Prior to the army, I, you know, never even shot a gopher. <laughs> you know, so, so you just learning new skills. And, and obviously you have to be physically tough as well in order to carry all your rucksacks. So I think that would probably be the number one thing I've gotten from the army is just physical mentality and fitness. Um, I think, which is really helped carry on into other aspects of my life. I don't know if you guys are aware or not, but about two years ago, I was in a serious car accident and that was definitely a life changing event for me. And I was hospitalized for about a week and then I was in rehab for three weeks after that just kind of letting my body heal. And I think, you know, having that mental and physical toughness really helped me power through those long months because yes, physically my body had to heal, but mentally, you know, my baby was only six months old at the time, you know, so I had this whole other family back at home and to just, again, leave them behind for nearly a month and, and kind of feel helpless <laughs> with a lot to really work through on the mental side of things as well. So the, I think the army has definitely helped prepare me for situations like that that have come up i remember you posted so many videos and pictures of that and it seemed like it was pretty gnarly what you went through it was definitely <laughs> nothing you ever would think would happen to you you know it's always something that happens to the other guy or when you're you know you're driving down the road and you see a car thing you're like oh you know everyone slows down and looks and it's like well that was me i was the one that everyone was slowing down and looking at and seeing pictures uh you know because in the moment i couldn't see the vehicle that i was in you know and uh, so going back and seeing the pictures of what it looked like from the outside looking in, I was like, dang. <laughs> and, you know, I still like kind of PTSD pops up when I go by car accidents now. It's like flashback to, to that moment because everything's still so real. You know, even in movies when you hear like a car crashing, like there's times I'm just like, whoa, like that, that was too, kind of too much for me. Even, even in the moment, because our car or the truck that we were in had rolled onto its roof and I remember as we got hit and we kind of we rolled to our side first and it kind of everything kind of seemed slow motion and it was just like oh my gosh like this is happening and we like rolled onto the roof and it's like no no like this is really happening like I still couldn't even process what was going on in the moment because it's just not something that happens every day <laughs> no no like people no. go their whole life without ever having something like that yeah <laughs> so are you are you uh so you went through the rehab and stuff. Are you fully recovered or is there still like lingering injuries or 
I'm, I'm actually in my hopefully knock on wood last round of physical therapy right now. So even, even two years later, I have things that I'm still working on. It's mostly with my pelvis. I broke, I broke my collarbone, my two upper ribs, my sacrum slash lower back and my pelvis. And so the lingering issues tend to be with my pelvis and with me being a runner, that's kind of a big deal. So, um, day-to-day living is, is pretty good, but when it comes as I've gotten back into working out and exercising and stuff, that's where I've kind of run into some roadblocks that, uh, from, you know, lingering issues. So um, like I said, I'm in my last round of physical therapy, hopefully, and then we can just get better from there. <laughs> wow. Well, good luck with that. That two years sounds like a long road to recovery, but if you're able to make it through and just get back to almost pre-accident stages, like that, that'll be great. So good luck. The next I think <laughs> you definitely wonder kind of like why me maybe I, I very easily could have not walked away from that it's fine my uh ex-husband is actually a radiology tech and so I sent him my x-rays from from the accident and he, one of my pelvis and he's like oh you know your break is so close to such and such artery right he's like had you been like an inch over that way he's like you would have bled out and you just I remember as I was like hanging upside down strapped into the truck I remember just thinking like praying like please let me live through this like I didn't know I was broken yet I could tell something was wrong but my adrenaline was going so I didn't feel yeah. pain yet but I could yeah. tell something was wrong and I just remember praying like please please just let me survive this not so much because for my sake but like for my children you know I didn't want to leave them without a mother honestly I was oddly calm like if I had to go it's like I'm at peace with it like I could go but my children wouldn't be ready to lose me you know and so I don't know, it was <laughs> definitely definitely a new experience and, and uh but something that i've i've walked away stronger from for sure what do you think is the, the biggest lesson you learned from that like walking away uh, that you're not you know you're never promised tomorrow you never know what's going to happen next you know i could have easily not survived that that accident i remember actually being in rehab i'd only been there a few days when i had a visitor come in that said hey such and such person in our ward their sister and, and uh, her husband were in a car accident with their four children and both parents died and one of the children. And it's just like, I remember just bawling. I had no idea who they were, but I remember just crying and crying and, and thinking like, why was that not me? Like, why am I still here? Why do I get this second chance? And, you know, almost survivor's guilt for someone I didn't even know. And yeah. so I think that was my biggest takeaway is you just, you're not promised tomorrow, you know, live like it's your last moments. Because you really, you really just don't know. <laughs> wow. I'm glad that you're doing better and hopefully this is your last physical therapy, but it looks like today the Army's taught you leadership. It's taught you mental and physical toughness. And those kind of lessons helped you through this huge life-changing car accident to have the physical toughness to maybe even be patient with your body as it heals because a lot of times you're like, oh, I want to do all these things because I'm actually physically strong and I've been, I've ran all my life. And it's like, I want to just get back to running. That sometimes maybe you need that conditioning that you got from the army to let your body, like to not run, is it almost? You know? Right. Because it's like you want to, but that could actually, you could actually get really hurt because your body's not ready to do it yet. So it's like, Totally hit the nail on the head there. Because even once I came home from rehab, I still had to be in a wheelchair for a couple months. And even after that, then a walker. And it was just like, when I'm used to exactly 
running, you know, running is my thing. And to be stuck in a wheelchair was just like, it was frustrating. It was so, <laughs> so I did, I definitely, it was a physical game, but also a mental game to, to really, like you said, be patient. Cause so badly I wanted to, you know, do things. And there probably was a couple of times where I did stuff that I probably shouldn't have, you know, thank goodness I didn't mess anything up, but you know, I probably pushed the envelope, uh, you know, a, a few times. So the situation did definitely teach me to be patient, let, let your body do what it needs to do and, and, and slow down. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Well, what are, what's something that you're passionate about now? Motherhood, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been a stay at home mom for well, almost 15 years now. And, um, you know, my, my kids are my everything. I, you know, I love them to death and, and, you know, people always say you blink and they're grown up and it's so true. I mean, my, my oldest is starting high school next year. And I mean, what is this podcast for high school? It's like, what? Yeah, now right. I, my child is entering that phase. Like that's crazy. But it's something I, you know, I, I really do love you. And my, I went to college and my major was in child development. And so just the whole childhood phase is just, it's my jam. It's, it's really what I love. And, uh, even, here and there kind of I guess a job a side job I even babysit for some friends in the neighborhood I just kids are really um just they're they're a lot of work but they definitely make life enjoyable they're so funny and just I have like a book full of just funny things that they say and do and they definitely keep you on your toes but but keep you laughing and they're definitely my passion (laughs) and then kind of you know switching gears I've also I mean I guess one thing that I've really learned is to forgive more and judge less. You know, definitely being in the army, you come across so many people from different walks of life. And then even uh, for a minute, I also worked as a secretary for a foster care slash rehab center for youth. And I'd have to read all their backstories and stuff. And just to see where these kids had come from and, you know, kind of abusive homes and stuff that they grew up in was really an, an eye opener for me. And you just, you never know people's stories. Also, I mentioned my husband's a police officer. And, uh, you know, this past year's kind of been crazy with, um, there's been uh, lots of cop hate, I guess to say, and being married to him has really opened my eyes to what they have to go through and, you know, the calls that he answers, I also get to hear, you know, other people's backstories and histories. And, and so over the past 20 years, my eyes have definitely really been open to other people. And kind of that naiveness that I had in high school is kind of, I've, I've grown from that. And with the military and the foster care, my, my husband's occupation, it's really been an eye opener for me. And so I've really tried to let things go, I guess. <laughs> so tell us more about that. Like you're saying, I'm having these eye openers, like, for example, with your, with your husband's job, what have you seen or what has opened your eyes that maybe we or other people that have been criticizing police, what are those things that you haven't seen that we haven't seen? I think, I think police officers, they get judged a lot because, you know, people just see whatever someone, you know, recorded on their cell phone and it's so different than actually being there and being that police officer and having to make a split second decision when, you know, someone's trying to fight you or someone's trying to steal your gun or someone's trying to shoot you or so, you know, it's so easy to point fingers and say, Oh, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. But put yourself in that situation, you know? And so even, you know, my husband will 
watch videos of other police officers from, you know, other cities and states and stuff. And I'll be like, no, that police officer's right, you know, because I've been in a similar situation and blah, 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 blah. And so it's, it's been very interesting to see his perspective and just hear the other side of the story. Because I think just as human beings, we're so natural to judge quickly and, and to be like, oh yeah, this is what I saw, you know, without really having a knowledge. So I don't know, like my husband has the, the expertise, I guess, to, to make more informed decisions than a civilian would, you know? And so it's been interesting to hear his side of the story in a lot of these situations where the public will say, oh no, police officer wrong, police officer wrong. And my husband will sit down and be like, A, B, C, D, E, F, you know, this is why he was right and why it was justified and so on and so forth. <laughs> and that's why when we hear the department did an investigation, he was cleared of all these things, people would be like, what? But they don't understand the training, that what goes into it, whereas he would say, no, this is exactly the protocol that it should be. But right. we as, as lay people that don't know that, it just seems totally different than maybe what we would have thought. And then so just like, okay, Steve, like you, if I walk up to a person and they show me their teeth, I'm like, they don't have any cavities. There's no cavities <laughs> there. But you come in and take out all your tools and, you know, you got the knowledge and the, and, you know, the equipment to be like, oh, no, look, it's right here. You know, but me just taking one quick glance, I'd say, no, there's nothing there. So kind of like that, I guess. It's <laughs> a great analogy. Yeah. And I think, too, I mean, Steve and I were talking like the other night, we put a lot of responsibilities on police officers. Like, we rely on them to solve way too many problems. So then they all of a sudden have all these big responsibilities that we're all putting on them. And a lot of the times it's, I don't know, we, I think we need to rethink what we want the police's responsibility to be, you know, because they are getting themselves in so many situations where they, I don't know, they're in, they're in tough situations where we're expecting them to solve all these problems. But then, you know, it's like, what are the tools that they have to solve? And then sometimes we don't like the result. Right. So it's like... That's exactly what my husband says. He's saying, he's saying they're making it harder for police to do policing. You know, they're making it just harder for them to do their job. And in the end, it's just going to bite the civilians in the butt because no one's going to want to come to their aid and fear that, you know, they're going to be reprimanded for this, this, and this, and this. I think that's a... I think it's a discussion that it's really interesting to see what will come. I, mean, I know like the George Floyd one year anniversary was just, just barely yeah. happened a, few weeks, a week ago or something yeah. just recently. And so I think all this idea of like defunding the police or changing the way that people, the police are trained, it's going to be really interesting to see the aftermath over the next few years of how just kind of like we said, like what will the real responsibilities of the police be? What will have changed? What do we expect of them versus maybe that can go to other places. It's going to, it's really just interesting to see how, I agree. <laughs> how and that's evolving. And I think actually in a way, I think it's healthy because a lot of, a lot of departments or a lot of police didn't, don't have a clear objective of what are their responsibilities or what are not their responsibilities. They've just been kind of thrown at every situation. Anyone that calls them out they're they're going. And it's like, are these people breaking the law? And a lot of the times they have to like, make those snap judgment decisions and they have training towards that. But we as a society need to pin down. It's like, okay, what do we want the police to do? And that'll be the responsibilities and have that clear out. And then, you know, for other things, you know, noise complaint, don't call the police, call someone else. Call, go, go knock on go your talk neighbor's to door. Your neighbor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is that, can we talk about your anxiety? Is that something you're comfortable talking about? Yeah. No, that's totally fine. Um, it's kind of just something that's developed. I think, well, I think it may have been kind of hidden <laughs> at first, um, where I, or I just didn't really know to put, to put a label on it. And honestly, I, I went to therapy thinking I had depression. And after I started talking and, you know, peeling away the layers, it, it came down to anxiety. And now looking back, it's like, oh, should have just led with that. I can see that now. Um, and and I, I think it's something that's really great that's kind of come out to light now is people are more open to talking about like, hey, you know what? I go to therapy. And you know what? I'm on medication. And it's not something to be ashamed of anymore. Because I know back in the day, it was really taboo. You didn't talk about it. And yeah. it's kind of hush-hush, you know? Um, so I, I really like that it's more accepted now because this is probably something I never would have let anyone know either <laughs> but it's something that I've, I've only gone to therapy the past year plus and but it's been amazing it's really helped me learn to worry less you know like I, I, my main anxiety comes from social situations so it's kind of learned that not everyone's looking at me no I'm not the center of everyone's attention as much as I would love to be the center of attention <laughs> I'm not and it's kind of this learned to I've learned to let things go and focus on my own thoughts and not other people's <laughs> and and I you know so I've had the help of therapy and I am medicated and not afraid to say it and it's really helped it's been good and it and it's funny because I think during the pandemic a lot of people's anxieties and depressions were kind of brought to light but mine was opposite since it's social anxiety and we were all closed in and could you know at a social distance I'm like this is great I don't have to see anybody (laughs) (laughs) so you guys are really putting me on the spot tonight got all sweating (laughs) where do you (laughs) took my meds this morning they're wearing off you guys (laughs) where do you think your uh your social anxiety came from (laughs) is a good question that I'm still trying to figure out you know because stuff is rooted to, you know, who knows when, I mean, we all have our past traumas and, you know, I definitely had some rough stuff in my childhood that, you know, from like toddler years, like some of my first memories. And so I think it's just a buildup of all these events through time that, that really built up kind of this one anxious moment <laughs> and your body finally is just like, I need to release this. Yeah. Get all crazy. <laughs> Man, well, good for you. I I think that uh, opening up about going to therapy, I think that that's probably one of the best things over the last just recent past, the last few years, I think has really started to get a big spotlight because it is an important thing. And we talk about physical health and exercise and diet, but I think like mental health is just as huge. Being able to do what you need to do to get right. And you can be really in shape in the body, but... You could be really out of shape in your mind. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> well, even uh, you, you said that you went, you had that unexpected day off and you went up to Bell's Canyon and everything and how that was just such a great moment for you, you know, to just kind of just breathe for a second, how much it really, uh, you know, affected the rest of your day or week or, you know, it was really good. you got to just kind of let loose a bit. It, yeah. My mental health day. I, it, I still talk about it. Like, it's, it was really good. I'm glad my wife had that suggestion because she could see how stressed I was and just had a lot of anxiety about stuff at work. And so taking that time where it wasn't, well, hey, I'm going to check more stuff off my list. It wasn't related to work. It was literally, 
I need a break. I need to go smell some fresh air and feel the mist of a waterfall and just separate myself from the, the heavy stuff of life. And so I think that mental health is, is super important. And I think there are licensed professionals that can help us. And I think everybody should take the opportunity. Like I think it, it used to be really taboo, but hopefully that that's, hopefully that's resolving a little bit and people recognize the value in that because there's so much value and just, there's nothing wrong with you or me or anyone that does that. It's just, you know, taking an opportunity to learn more about ourselves, to become stronger and to become a better version of ourselves to make it through whatever challenges life throws at us. Yeah, so many times, I mean, you hear this example all the time. It's like, it's like you with your car accident. It's almost as if you're like, uh, I don't know. I don't need the physical therapy. I can just like, I'll deal with it myself. You know? Right. It's not going to go too well. (laughs) Exactly. Right. They're just the professional You you go to the doctor. Yeah, exactly. You go to the doctor for your body. You go to church for your spirit. You go see the therapist for your mind. You know, you got to get it all. The trio. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. No, I I love that you brought that up. (laughs) Thank you. Well, Robin, do we have any beef? You know what? I was picking my brain and picking it and pick- Guys, I'm just a lover, not a fighter, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I've got my beef with anyone. I'm a vegetarian. Just kidding. I love bacon way too much. <laughs> it's good that we waited this long to ask people if they have beef. Because it's like, even if they did, they forgot about I it. I think if know. it would have been 10 years ago, people would have had beef galore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I'm beefless, you guys. <laughs> I guess just my only beef is like, why didn't you date me in high school? You know, I feel Gonzo. like we had this flirty energy in our chemistry class. Chemistry, chemistry, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? It you, just that it didn't happen. It wouldn't have worked out because neither one of you were citizens. That's true. Yeah. True. Boring thing. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and then here I go and marry myself in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, just that's what I feel like. That's why Robin married a Hispanic. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> he reminds me of Gonzo. Gonzo always But I see you, you got your citizenship though too, didn't you? Yeah. Not too long ago. Twenty nineteen, I got my citizenship. Yeah. There we go. Now we're both American. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> I had to renounce my citizenship to your way too. Oh really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, I think with Canadians, they like they let you keep your they let you do. So, you're pretty much American anyways. So you're yeah. just like a big state. <laughs> well, every other country, they're like, "Nah, you're nothing now. Just rip up all your old stuff." <laughs> <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> How funny! My last little bit of advice: the graduating class of two thousand and four. Just. To live without regret, you know, that's, that's really, I guess my motto is, you know, if you're, if you're on the fence about trying something, just do it, you know, it's better to do it and hate it than to not do it and, and always wonder, um, so definitely live without regret, step out of your comfort zone and, you know, forgive more, judge less. Again, you're never promised tomorrow. So live in the moment. Go beat diggers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Robbins. It's good seeing you. It's good talking to you. Same here, you guys. All right. Thanks for taking the time. And we will definitely have to stay in touch. Yeah. Will do. Good night, okay. Robin. Have a good night. Good night, you guys. Bye. Bye.
Steve, we just got done talking to Robin. What are your thoughts? I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, I was taking notes. I think she said so many good things. Probably if I could come away with one word to describe, if I had if I had to pick one word, it would be empathy. It seems like in the last, you know, since we graduated high school, so 17 years, it just seems like she's had a lot of experiences that helped her to be able to just broaden her vision. She talked about how she used to be naive and she's not naive anymore. She's had these experiences that really opened her eyes. And like I wrote down, like when she talked, she talked about crying when she heard about these other people in a car accident. Yeah, right. Like that was something that she could absolutely relate to. Like I was, I've been in a car accident. Now she knows how people that have been in these bad accidents or that have suffered loss or tragic things. She, she talked about uh, forgiving more and judging less. And I think that that is encompassed in empathy. She's able to try to put herself in other people's shoes. She can see from a different perspective. And I thought that that showed a lot of maturity, a lot of growth and something that's really admirable. Yeah. And I mean, a lot, in a lot of ways, she was still her positive self, but you can tell that, that, that her time in, in the military have changed, has changed her too. She's learned leadership. She learned mental toughness and like even more, you know, physical endurance and physical things. And I feel like, yeah, she changed. She's grown up so much and then through her accident and then her, her family, her, her divorce and then remarry feel like, you know, she's, she had changed so much and grown so much. That was, it was really great talking to her. Yeah. I want to say one other thing that I really liked. Like when we asked her what she was passionate about, she was like being a mom, yeah. motherhood. And I thought it was interesting because I, I know a lot of times it's like she said, I've been able to be a stay-at-home mom for 14 years. And I think that there's other times where some of the girls that have been moms are like, I kind of wish I would have done other stuff. And what I liked was she took opportunities to do things. Like she got divorced and was like, I want to do the army. So I'm going to just do that. And so she, she found a path to still do what she wanted. And so because she grabbed the bull by the horns, so to say, like yeah. she just took that opportunity and did it. She was able to experience things that I feel like when she says, like, try to live with no regrets, it, it seems like she really was living that. Yeah. And so and she just was able to, like, love being a mom because she did do those other things she wanted yeah. to. She found a, a passion, too, in motherhood, which, I mean, and it's great. And then it's not a, not a knock on anyone who that's not that's a responsibility but not a passion it's fine for it to be a responsibility and it doesn't mean that you love your kids any less or anything but yeah some people that is a passion for them that's something they love she was saying i'll even watch like the neighbor kids or whatever Mm -hmm. just because i just freaking love kids you know it's great and maybe her having that break and just like you're saying having that break in between getting into the army seeing the world seeing the little thing broaden her her horizon enough to say like you know what like this all this stuff was awesome but i do actually love being a mom and i love i do have a passion for my kids and kids and being a mom and being gone and not being a mom for 10 months was like, yeah it was hard and she didn't want to do that again so let me maybe open her eyes like i really do love being a mom because when i wasn't a mom for 10 months i sucked yeah no, it was great yeah, i love talking to robin yeah if you'd like to be on the podcast you know what to do? Send us an email. Jordan High 2004 podcast at gmail.com. You know where to listen, all the same spots. And we're still waiting on those voice memos for that voice memo episode.
man, I want to do that voice memo episode so bad, Steve. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so tell your I'll friends. Just, it's like I don't want it to be like a whole voice, a whole bunch of voice memos that I sent in. <laughs> I have I have been thinking about sending in voice memos and just memories. <laughs> just put in a voice. But, Hello, this is uh, <laughs> this is Johnny Smith here, and I remember. You know, it's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I just like call in with an accent. It's like, hey, this is Gonzo. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, send us a voice memo, everybody. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. It was really good talking to Robin, and we will be back with you next yeah, time. We'll catch you next time. Okay. Bye. Bye.